Galnet News Digest Review of the Year 3305. We recall the news so you don't have to. Part 3. Thargoids and Initiatives 3305 started badly for humanity with the Thargoids very close to overrunning the bubble, but that was all about to change. The actions of commanders also established a route out to the Guardian ruins, overcame food shortages and rescued the crew of a generation ship. Getting on the Zende bus At the end of April, Freya Tain of Zende Partners announced that it would be establishing a regular weekly bus service from Zende to one of the Guardian ruin sites to make unlocking anti-Xeno weaponry that little bit easier. After consulting Pilots Federation members, the Sinuf EN-HD11-96 system was chosen, around 540 light-years from Zende. The two ferries, Sadler Song and the Conduit, entered service on the 9th of May, jumping in opposite directions every Thursday. Zende Partners also established the Prospect Outpost in the system to provide services for visiting commanders. It wasn't long before rivals Segnan Exchange also wanted a piece of the action, establishing Indigo Dock as their centre of operations. While Zende Partners concentrated on gathering Guardian commodities as part of a research programme to develop a new anti-Xeno multi-cannon, Segnan Exchange chose to attack Zende Partners. After a brief conflict, Segnan Exchange was ousted from the system. The end result is that commanders can now buy the advanced multi-cannon from Zendi Partners stations and from Jameson Memorial, and can craft anti-Xeno ammunition using Guardian materials. It's great for fighting Thargoids, if you can find one. Thargoids, Palin and the Enclave On the 18th of April, things were going badly for humanity in the war against the Thargoids. Admiral Aidan Tanner put out an appeal for assistance, explaining that Aegis's capital ships had proved ineffective against Thargoid attack, and that he needed as many independent combat pilots as possible to counter the threat. At the same time, Aegis went into partnership with Ram Tar to make the Trident, Javelin, the Lance, XG ship-launched fighters more accessible to commanders. And then, on the 11th of July, right when victory seemed within their grasp, the Thargoids vanished abruptly from the bubble. What happened? It may have been something to do with the human search for new sources of meta-alloys that started a week earlier. In the face of near-total exhaustion of barnacle sites at the Pleiades, and a rich new source identified in the Witchhead Nebula, the Federation, Empire and Alliance all started building new supply chain hubs in that nebula, and that's the point at which the Thargoids disappeared from the bubble and the Pleiades. Aegis claimed it as a victory. A week later, on the 18th of July, the Thargoids returned en masse to the Pleiades and started a systematic attack on engineer Professor Palin's base. Palin was forced to abandon the site, and for a while, Mel Brandon in Colonia was the only source of Grade 5 thruster modifications. 
A mysterious and apparently non-violent Thargoid interceptor was seen briefly near Palin's base, covered with small dots that made it look like it had the measles. It sought to avoid contact with other ships. It has not been seen since. Palin set up a new base back inside the bubble in the ARC system, ending his four-year residence in Maya. The new base was linked to the old one in ways that weren't entirely understood. For a time, commanders who landed at the new base would find themselves mysteriously transported to the old base in Maya. Meanwhile, an old protégé of Palin's, Chloe Sedesi, set up a new engineering facility at Cinderdock in Witchhead Sector DL-YD-17, offering the same facilities as Palin. So it's just as well he moved back to the bubble or he'd have been in direct competition with her. Technology and material brokers have also set up shop in the Witchhead sector. It's almost as though Aegis was trying to establish a new colonia at this new source of meta-alloys. Thargoids began to be seen in great numbers in the Witchhead systems, but despite Thargoid attacks damaging the new stations in the sector, Aegis declared the Witchhead Nebula an official enclave of humanity, with the establishment of six new planetary outposts near meta-alloy sources. Meanwhile, in the Pleiades, the Anti-Xeno Initiative, or AXI, had been working against Aegis of Search, who were seen as largely ineffective in the fight against the Thargoids. On the 9th of September, AXI ejected Aegis Research from control of their last starport. Aegis Research retains a low-key and ineffectual presence in the Pleiades, the area of space it was created to defend. Will the Thargoids ever return? There are squadrons of specialist anti-Xeno combat pilots who've been growing rusty in the five months without Thargoids, who've got bored and have drifted off to play spaceflight simulators, such as the forthcoming Stellar Citizen, the 250 quintillion credit crowdfunding sensation that's been under development for nearly 1,300 years and is expected to be the best damn space sim ever. Almost as good as flying your own ship in the real galaxy. Winking cats, a cultural alliance, and an agricultural issue. The notorious art thieves, the Winking Cat Crew, last seen stealing the Federation's New Year hollow sculpture from Olympus Village on the 1st of January 3305, returned a couple of times later in 3305. On the 14th of February, they stole three iconic artworks from the Museum of Civilization on Mars, replacing them with their trademark Winking Cat image. But then, on the final week of the controversial Alliance Festival of Culture, held during July and August, controversial because the Alliance chose to hold the first week in the now independent Lave system, the Winking Cat crew committed a reverse theft, returning the long-lost painting Pennant Street to the Garden City Gallery on Turner's World, whence they had, the previous year, stolen the Uscape semi-sentient art installation. It was during celebrations to mark the end of the Alliance Festival of Culture that it was noticed that food stocks were falling to a dangerously low level. And it was because of this food shortage that the Rockforth Corporation rushed out its new EX7 fertilizer, which it made available at Marshall Dock in Riedquat. 
In fact, so keen was it to get its product to market that it was willing to supply the product at far less than the market was willing to pay, allowing some enterprising commanders to become multi-billionaires without ever undocking. Until the Galactic Authority stepped in to control the situation and to confiscate funds. Commanders distributed the fertilizer far and wide, and everywhere they took it, crops withered and died, causing famine where previously there had only been food shortages. After some investigation, it was found that the Rockforth fertilizer had been contaminated with a blight by a militant group of onionhead farmers, the so-called Scythe of Panem who were still cross about Jasmina Halsey's firebombing of their illegal crops in 3301, and had decided to take it out on the Alliance in Diso and Orerv. What could be done? The first thing was to blast the Scythe of Panem back to the pre-flight age, using all the firepower the galaxy could muster. And the second thing was to carry a miraculous antidote to the blight, to all the systems that had previously had the infected fertilizer delivered. This specialized agronomic treatment remains available as a sort of fairy dust that can be sprinkled on systems that suffer an outbreak of blight to save them from famine. All's well that ends well. And those onion head farmers had it coming to them anyway. A generation that survived. In November, the first ever generation ship with a crew that survived the journey was discovered in the Upaniklis system. Both the Empire and the Federation tried to encourage the settlers to set themselves up as citizens of their respective superpowers. In the end, it was the Federation's manacles that won the day, and the crew of the Golconda were transferred to an agricultural outpost, Forester's Choice, where they're forced to make their rare commodity, Apavieti, at gunpoint. The Federation celebrated the liberation of these generation ship survivors with a special sale of military hardware and a decal. So, that's all right. And that was part three of this year's Galnet News Review of the Year 3305. Galnet News, we recall the news so you don't have to.